Welcome to Library Overload. This is Tavia. This is Susie. Don't forget to go check out our blog where we post all of the books that we talk about, and that is libraryoverload.home.blog. And then also check us out on Instagram where we keep up with what we're reading and we like to interact with you guys. And we're just Library Overload there. All right, guys. Today is one of my themed picks. Yes. And this I is putting off this episode for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Animals and Nature Day. And we threw in nature because Tavia was scared that she would have to read a book about dead animals. <laughs> yeah, I was really concerned. There's very few books about animals that are not sad, Don't that they don't, you know, perish at the end. <laughs> you know, that's just not, I'm not about that. It's true. It's, it's very I can true. I lots of things. Animals dying in books and TV, no. That's a, that's a deal breaker for me right there. No, I completely understand. But... I being the crazy animal person that I am was like, don't care. We got to, we have to read, we have to yes. read about animals. So I we I, call it a spring episode since we're right here at the beginning of spring. Drip, drip, drop little April showers. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Can you name that Disney movie? Bambi. Okay. Very good. Spring was technically in March. The, the first day of spring was March 21st. But your singing is cute. Well, I was able to finally read the book that I got at the used bookstore that Tavia and I went to for science. For science. The really random off-the-wall fish book? No, I didn't read the fish book. Um, I wanted to, but I didn't get to it. Um, But I did read How to Be a Good Creature by Cy Montgomery. And she is also the author that wrote The Soul of an Octopus, which Tavia and I both loved, loved, loved. That's one of our buddy reads. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. It was a fantastic read. Yeah, I actually want to get an octopus tattoo now. (gasps) Me too! I loved it so much. I do too. So, How to Be a Good Creature is a super short sweet beautiful cover but it's 13 essays about all the um all different animals that touched her life so uh the first one was kind of what got her into writing about animals she had gone to school to be a journalist and eventually she found herself i can't remember the circumstances but she found herself in australia and uh, doing doing research with another res- uh, researcher, all of that. Well, she found herself following a set of three emus. Emus? Emus. Yes. She followed them all around the outback, kind of figuring out their daily routines, what they were, what they did with their days, how they slept, all of that. 
and she fell in love with these three. She named them uh-huh. like she followed them around and eventually she followed them for a couple of months. And at the end of their time together, they allowed her to get within five meters of them uh-huh. and actually willingly fell asleep near her so that they had kind of gotten comfortable around her uh-huh. and all of that. So that was just a super sweet story of how she kind of fell in love with the idea of spending so much time with animals and then another another one was about a pig that her husband kind of adopted because it was the runt. It wasn't going to make it without any help, anything like that. So while Sai was visiting her dying father in the hospital, her husband adopted this tiny, tiny baby pig and hand-fed it. They raised it. They named it Christopher. And she actually wrote a book about Christopher and his life. And now he was. Because that's the good, good pig. Yeah. Christopher Hogsworth is his name, I believe. (laughs) And so he. Uh, he started out this tiny, tiny baby piglet, and he grew into a 750-pound giant pig. Oh, my gracious. Like, giant pig. Wow. And it was it was just 13 stories like that about the dogs that she had uh, raised and loved. Wow. Uh, she had uh, an essay on Octavia from The Soul wow. of an Octopus. Awesome. Yeah, so it was just... It was so, just so touching. And there were only a couple that really made me tear up. Most of it was about her connection with this animal. There was a spider that she met in uh, New Guinea. There was uh, tree kangaroos. Two tree kangaroos that she met. Yeah. Um, So there was just different animals that kind of touched her heart and made her fall even more in love with these beautiful beings. And it was just really, really touching, really sweet. Oh. I love how she writes about animals because it's how I feel about animals. Mm-hmm. And just she, they are, they are equal to humans in her eyes. They mm-hmm. have feelings. They think about you. And just, it, I just, I love the way she writes about them. Mm-hmm. And it, it really makes my, my heart happy. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and sorry, guys. We didn't mention this at the beginning. But Tavia and I are uh, recording via Skype. Yes, we are practicing what we preach. Yes, we are socially distancing. We are being good people. So I hope that you guys are too. But I wanted to say that just in case our audio does sound a little bit different today, if there's background noise, I'm so sorry. I am at home with four animals and a husband. So um, just in case there's background noise. I know. setting for you to be in for this episode. Yes. Surrounded by animals. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I have a dog on my, I have two dogs on my right. I have a cat on my left. I'm a happy girl. So just in case our audio isn't uh, as good a quality as it normally is, just wanted to warn you guys, that's why. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to jump right in to Steve and Me, and this is by Terry Irwin. Oh, I wanted to read this forever. It was really good. It was really, really good. 
It, she wrote it, and I, I read this, or researched this a little bit afterwards. So Steve Irwin passed away in 2006. She actually wrote and published this in 2007. So it was really close to when wow. he passed. Yeah. I wonder if that was just really cathartic for her. I bet it was, because you can feel her love for him just, like, pouring out. Like, she was so enamored with this man. Like, it was just, ugh. So it, it goes back to the beginning and it talks about what she did in the States, her life, how she ended up in Australia and like a chance meeting. She was looking for a, a zoo that would take in some um, animals for her that she was trying to rescue that she couldn't house. And she happened to go into Australia and she's like, well, let me check out the zoo. Well, it happened to be the zoo that Steve's parents owned. Uh, and that's the one that they all still run today. I didn't know that his parents owned yeah, it. Yeah, his parents had started it. It actually turns 50 years old this year. That's one of their wow things. Um, so his parents, his dad was a um, studier of reptiles. There's a scientific name for it, and I can't think of it right now. But so his dad loves snakes and crocodiles and things like that. And so that's Steve, um, in the book, it talks about how he, he um, tackled his first crocodile at age nine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, this enigmatic, insane character that we know. It talks about how he met and fell in love with his wife. And it talks about their decision to have kids because they weren't really going to at first. They just wanted their their project, their zoo and their animals. They didn't want anything else that was going to distract from that. And then Steve was like apparently out by the fire one night and he had this epiphany that the zoo needed someone to take care of it when they were gone. And so they needed to have kids so that they could pass their love of animals on to someone else who would take care of the zoo when they were gone. It was sweet. That is sweet. I was actually just watching a thing on Animal Planet just the other day about how it was a a marathon of Steve Irwin everything. And one of the episodes was when Bendy was really little and he was showing her sea turtles and little reptiles and stuff and letting her pet them. And it was just, you know how everyone says that children aren't um, born with fear. They aren't born with hatred or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it was beautiful to see him teaching Bendy his love and not to be afraid of them and yeah. things like that. Like if someone tried to hand me a reptile right now, I'd probably be like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, like, I'm not, I don't really want to hold a lizard, but Bendy was like, oh, is it going to bite me? And he was like, nah, you're fine. And she's like, okay. Like it was yeah. so, so sweet to see that love being shared and taught. It was beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. She was not very old when he passed. She was only, I think, eight. Um, she was born in 1998. Yeah. And his son was itty bitty. Robert. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this, the book was fun. It talked about like their honeymoon was the first episode of Crocodile Hunter. Like they so not they had this old whole other honeymoon planned, but then at the last minute they got a call and someone needed because Steve had been working for the government relocating crocodiles since the mid eighties, and they got married in nineteen ninety two. So wow, he had gotten a call right as they were getting ready to go leave for their honeymoon that 
you know, this crocodile was really in danger and it was going to, if they didn't get to it soon, it was not going to make it. And so he's like, what do you say? Can we go rescue this crocodile? And they just, they happened to bring their friend who was a documentary filmmaker. And that's what became the first episode of the crocodile hunter. And wow. so talked about that. And then she also talks about how when they went in, she went in by herself to have a meeting with the discovery channel and they were not really feeling her, but this brand new thing came up that was just starting out called animal planet. And they got to be one of the first programs on animal planet. Cause they were looking for documentaries that would push the boundaries. Cause apparently at that time, the shows, the nature documentaries and stuff were mostly about the subjects not about the hosts. And they said Steve was too much of a host, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was really interesting. But she also talks about hilarious stories where he takes her out into the Australian bush and he like, hey, grab that real quick. And she'll like grab something. And and after she puts it down and they film it, he'd be like, yeah, that could have killed you. <laughs> and she's like, well, why did you have me pick it up? And he's like, you were fine. He was, was an amazing like, person. Type thing. Yeah, he was hysterical. I I remember watching their show as a kid. My mom had the hugest crush on Steve. He was really <laughs> handsome though, and he was he so was he was so charismatic. Like he just completely drew you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I this book has been on my radar for um, not as long as I would have expected it to. I had no idea that it existed. Um, I desperately would love to own it just because yeah. my love for Steve Irwin is so yeah. strong. And no, I didn't like have that kind of love for him, but I've always just like, known about him and thought he was really cool. But I, I just thought this would be a really good thing to read. It's uh, perfect for this episode. Yes. Yeah. His passion for animals comes through the page vividly in her writing and her love for him. Like it's just palpable. You can feel it. It was like almost love at first sight. And they were married within eight months of meeting, even though he lived in Australia and she lived in Oregon. That's That's, how quick it went. Um, That's nuts. Yeah. And they just, she was just head over heels in love with this man. She said the first moment I saw him, he was doing a, a crocodile show at their zoo and she's like, I knew it was over. It was, I was the, in trouble. The crazy man playing with the crocodile. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I looked at him and I just knew it was over for me. Like, I was in trouble. That's what she said. That's it crazy. Was, uh, it was a really good book. My only complaint, the reason I gave it four stars instead of five, is that it was a little disjointed at times. So, like, the timeline didn't go, like, in chronological order so much. Like, she talked about Bendy's birth. And then she talked about something else. And then she went back to bringing Bindi home. Like, it was just kind of, you know, a little out of sequence at times. Sure. So I thought that was a little weird. But otherwise, I loved it. It was really well, I mean, good. that makes sense, though. Terry's not an author. She's, right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if that's the worst thing about the book. Right, right. I could see how she did it. She just sat down and wrote things. And she tried to get, like, you know, I can see where she went with it and why she, why it went the way it did. I just, it was a little off kilter at times for the reader, for me. That makes sense. But otherwise, it was wonderful. Did it talk about, um, my mother and I both bawled when, when it came out that Steve died. Yeah. It was also very shocking 
that his death was the way it was instead of by a crocodile, to be quite honest. Right, but the thing is, like, she said that she talks about how he knew he was never going to grow to be an old age. He, he told her that he lived too hard, that he went too hard, and that he knew that that's why one of the things he wanted to have kids for, and he wanted to have, make sure she was set up and she was okay, because he said, he's just, he's like, I just know I'm not going to grow to be an old person. But wow. he went nonstop, full force, all the time. She said there was no such thing as downtime with Steve Irwin. You were going. And so she, it made sense that he went out the way he did, doing something that he enjoyed. Gotcha. Um, I'm looking up the Irwin family net worth because I'm very interested. Okay, so not as much as I expected. Uh, the Irwin's net worth is approximately $10 million. Yeah. So, I mean, still a lot of money. But not yeah, as I mean, as it could like, be. I, no, when I they think met, most of their money goes to the animals. So, I don't think they really. Yes. Um, when they met, they decided, and when they got married, they decided that 100% proceeds of the crocodile hunter we're going to go right back into conservation work. So I think the money that they have is just from the zoo because they had decided that 100% of what they were doing with their crocodile hunter was going to go to conservation. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool. That is, that is beautiful. Oh, question. Are the Irwins vegetarians? No, it didn't. It didn't talk about that. They, they may, might be, but she didn't discuss it. That's because I always wonder, like, these conservationists or these people that spend so much of their time Mm -hmm. with animals and all of that. Like, Cy Montgomery is a vegetarian. Yeah. And that makes sense because her love of animals is so, so strong Mm -hmm. that, of course, she's not going to eat an animal. That doesn't doesn't make sense to me. So, I do. I I wonder if the Irwins are vegetarians. It didn't discuss it explicitly. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I'm sure I could Google it. I'm just yeah. curious. They did talk about Steve's beloved dog, and they ended up naming Bendy's middle name after her, and it was Sue. <gasps> it's Bendy Sue? Mm-hmm. And then the dog is um, Sue, and that was Steve's dog that, you know, he had when they got together. And she said he and this dog had had this connection, and he, like, had trained it to help round up wild boar and and just you know random like the dog went with him on every outing they went on it was on almost all of the crocodile hunter episodes behind the scenes it went everywhere i was gonna say i don't remember a dog on there but i'm sure i haven't seen every single episode right and i'm sure especially the early stuff is a bit dated to kind of watch that's really cool i'm gonna google that And then Terry had a mountain lion, not mountain lion, I'm sorry, a cougar named Melina that she worked for a very long time to get to bring over to Australia and they never let her. And so she was really just kind of devastated about that. Uh, Then the cougar got sick and passed before she ever got to bring her to Australia. That's so sad. But she had rescued her as a cub. And that was the, the beginning of her getting into it. Like she didn't, okay. that was, that cougar was her first animal other than her wow. dog. Okay. I see. I see Sue. 
She's so sweet. Yeah. Now, the dog's name was S-U-I, but they named Bindi S-U-E. So. That's so cute. Yeah. I thought that you would like that. I did. <laughs> okay. So, I have kind of just a Cy Montgomery theme today. The next one I started is Tamed and Untamed. Hang on, it has a thing. Okay. Tamed and Untamed, Close Encounters of the Animal Kind. And that's by two authors, Cy Montgomery and then one of her closest friends, Elizabeth Marshall Thomas. Elizabeth Marshall Thomas is another uh, animal author. She has She's known for The Hidden Life of Dogs. And she's another, she lives in the same town that Cy does. And many, many years ago, Cy's husband had read an article that Elizabeth had written and kind of was like, Cy, she's from around here. You should totally reach out, see, I mean, this could be someone that you could work with, that you could write with, things like that. And so once they finally did get a chance to sit down, it was like instant best friends because they had, they had so many things in common. Eventually it got to the point where they were both traveling together and writing together and all of this. So this, this book was just kind of an extension of what they've already been doing. Um, So this was another collection of essays. They, um, they talk about different animals like, Something as tiny as a snail. They talk about house cats, hawks, sharks, dogs, lions. And then, of course, octopuses. (laughs) And it's just, it's really, really sweet. Um, It's, it's, like I said earlier, Sai's love of animals is just so vivid that it's, it's just a part of her. And it's so clear in her writing and it, and when you're reading it, at least for me, and it might just be that I'm a crazy animal person, but when I'm reading crazy. it, yeah. Stop. shut up. <laughs> when I'm reading something that she's writing, the animal, whatever animal it is that she's talking about, and it could have, it was even a spider. I felt this connection to the spider just because to sigh it had such a clear personality. It was such an, an incredible creature. And it's just so palpable, this uh-huh. love that she mm-hmm. has for them. It's just so touching and so beautiful. And it was the same thing with Elizabeth's writing as well. Like, oh, that's awesome. It's no wonder that they're close, close friends. Mm-hmm. Because they're the same person. Like, <laughs> they're just... Like, their writing styles are, of course, different. But they're... They are just... It's like they're one soul split and put into uh-huh. two bodies. They're just... And it to- it makes total sense that they're mm-hmm. that they're so close. It was really sweet. The The foreword of the book is uh, was written by another animal writer mm-hmm. that has written about elephants. And so it's just... They have this beautiful world together. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It was really, really lovely. Um, and I just... It makes me want to drop everything and mm-hmm. go live in Africa and work with animals and just, yeah. and I just, I just want to be with the animals. 
<laughs> you, you kind of are. You're starting a collection. I am. And Chris and I were talking, like, if we owned a home, if we if we weren't in an, a townhome, we would absolutely be fostering animals. Like, because I think that that's a way that you can touch as many animal lives as possible without mm-hmm. actually owning a menagerie of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even though one of these days I do want goats. That would be a real pleasure <laughs> to own goats. I think they're just insanely adorable. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, I want all the animals all the time. Just, yes, please. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. If 90% of animals did not try to kill me through some type of allergy, I would love them a lot more. But I'm so allergic to so many things. I know. Poor, poor Tavia is not allowed over to my house because I own cats. Yeah, I've never visited you in your home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not since we, you have cats, anyway. Yeah, before we, whenever we do buy a house, and we'll have to let you and Daniel come over before we move in, <laughs> <laughs> before it's contaminated. Yes. I mean, it's not like a, a mild allergy either. I, I It's a it's a debilitating allergy to cats that I have. So it's, it's pretty serious, <laughs> but I do love me some dogs and Portia's living her best life with this weather outside and her parents. And then with, yeah. The with, with y'all home all the time. My animals are just ecstatic that I'm I home know, all the time. I, I feel a little sad for when life returns to normal and the dogs are going to be like alone again. Yes, all these animals are going to be devastated that their parents are leaving again. So that's going to be very sad. And I hadn't thought of that. And now I'm going to cry when I have to go back to work. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I would have cried then, not thinking about it. But, yeah. Well, I'm going to move us away from animals a bit. Okay. Because I struggled. (laughs) I struggled with... I shuffled around to a couple of different books. I struggled with something to get into. And then I finally found something that was just beyond perfect for me that I I couldn't imagine having gotten anything else. And this is the National Parks, America's Best Idea. That's by Dayton Duncan and Ken Burns. I was going to ask if it was also written by Leslie Nope. That should have been, that would have been awesome (laughs) if it was. I would love, I would read any book that she wrote. (laughs) Right. They should issue like a companion to the the series. Yes. I I saw a meme the other day that said, you know, Leslie Nope has a binder for this. (laughs) (laughs) I know Leslie Nope would be winning the coronavirus if she was around. She would. Yes. But I don't know if any of you guys know, but Ken Burns is one of my favorites. Because he makes all these documentaries. He's a documentary filmmaker. So I had no idea who he was. Yes. Um, I don't know. Do you remember that 14-hour Roosevelt documentary I watched? I remember you talking about it. He did it. He also has done a documentary on the West, the circus, the Civil War, and Prohibition. And I've seen almost all of them. Okay, we talk about how much of a nerd I am. Mm, we yes. need to also discuss your nerdiness. I do. I have very specific nerd focuses, though. You sure do. Yes. I love me a documentary. Love it. I like documentaries about 
murder. Oh, yeah. No, I like historical documentaries. Let me rephrase. Historical documentaries. So, this book is a companion novel to Kim Burns' documentary series about the national parks. And it is the founding of the parks, the different ones, um, the history of them, how they came to be, who lived there first, what made them, you know, get to become parks, and, and just a general history of all of the different national parks. That's so. really cool. That's yes. that's interesting to me. Like, yes. I, could, I could watch or read that, and I would be okay with it. Yeah, like, talking about um, Yosemite was formed. One of the reasons it was formed is because there was, like, a a party that went out and they were hunting native Americans to try to relocate them. And then this one guy like thought that it was the most beautiful place he had ever seen. And he like was going on and on about it. And his captain was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then he went back and he like urged people to, you know, do things. And, and through his conservation work, he got this park to be set aside as a separate piece of land. Um, you know, to not develop because he was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna overdevelop our our world well, mm -hmm. if we keep letting them encroach on it, you know, or whatever. So right, uh, it was really cool and very true. Yes, um, and so it, it kind of goes around and, and talks about different parts and, and the book. I don't actually have the book. I'm listening to the audio. Because I can't go anywhere, <laughs> right? Um, to buy the book, and I I wanted to get it read and listened to before um, Amazon would have enough time to deliver it. I bet that book is beautiful. I think it's a coffee table type book, mm. except that it's bigger because it's got all the the history and stuff in it. But I do think it's got lots of pictures. So that's what I was gonna say as as far as that because I believe it's it's about the size of a coffee table book. <laughs> Tavia keeps making squares with her hands. I was trying like to just, think out how big that was in my head. Tavia, Tavia was voguing. Well, I was, <laughs> I was like, how how big is that? And then I was like, well, math is hard, so I'm just gonna say something else. <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> well, I was like, is that 15 inches? I don't know. I don't know. Math is hard. <laughs> Well, when you say coffee table book, most people understand you didn't to have to get actual measurements. I was trying to bring it to life for our listeners, Susie. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my God. That was amazing to watch. I'm so pleased. Well, I, I'm glad that you got some enjoyment out of that. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank Together. you. You're welcome. Um, but yes, this is a companion to the documentary. So you should also go check out the documentary by Ken Burns. Do you know how to find the documentary? Or is Most of them are PBS documentaries. Okay. Okay. So, um, and I would just imagine you can Google search. There's an app. Yeah, there's an app for PBS. It's how I watched, uh, wow, what was that thing last year? It was like America's Greatest Book or Great American Reads or something like that. It was on the PBS app and I watched it. Oh, nice. 
and it was wonderful. I watched the country music documentary that was on PBS a while back that was wonderful. I wanted to watch that and I never got around to it. So really, really good. Sounds good. But yes, Ken Burns, he's he's really awesome. <laughs> he does lots and lots and lots of documentaries that I like to watch. What a nerd. Yeah. I wasn't my favorite. I've still seen it like three times. My favorite is the Roosevelt documentary. It's really good. You've watched that 15 hour documentary three times? First of all, it's only 14 hours, but yes. Okay. I don't think one hour is what makes the difference there once you're over 10 hours. It is. I wanted you to accurately portray it. You've watched that thing three times. In its entirety, I've probably watched bits and pieces of it even more than that. I just really like That is it. like over a full day. <laughs> That's almost two days of documentary time. Yes. There's also an extensive one on Prohibition that I've watched a couple of times as well. Oh my gosh. I just really like them. What a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> My best friend, that, ladies and gentlemen. I say that with love because, like, I'm like a giant nerd myself. Our our nerds have very little overlap, yes, but we are both ex- like extensive nerds in very different ways. So, true. okay. My next book is Voices in the Ocean: A Journey into the Wild and Haunting World of Dolphins. This Ooh. is another book that I grabbed at the used bookstore. And you know, now that I think about it, that was the last time I went to the used bookstore. Me too. And now, now I feel like I'll never be there again. <laughs> I, I read lots of memes. This is no surprise I say this all the time. But I saw one the other day that said, if I had known that the last time I went to TJ Maxx was the last time I was going to go to TJ Maxx, <laughs> I would have gone harder. <laughs> and just like, same. I know. I love TJ Maxx, so yes, I would have gone harder at TJ Maxx if I had known. Target, I would have gone harder at Target if I had known. And the bookstore. And the bookstore. Although, the last time I was in a bookstore was my last day working there, and I did go hard. Because I was like, (laughs) it's the last time I get to use my discount, and as a going away present, they gave me a gift card. And so, and then I had to get... I had to get Chris's approval on how much I could spend. <laughs> so I went way over the, the limit that he gave me. <laughs> it was awesome. Nope. No one was surprised. But anyways, I digress. So this uh, Voices in the Ocean is by Susan Casey. This is a very deep dive into the world of dolphins. I didn't get to it this week. I picked it up. And it was just like, even though dolphins are amazing and I want to read this book, obviously, because I bought it, I was just like, "Mm, no, I don't know why. I know. I felt that way. There's a couple I want to talk about that I, I felt that way about that. I was just like, it's just not the right time for me right now. Yeah. And I, I don't know why I thought that I would, I would just like go hard with this episode and come back with like eight books to talk about because I'm nuts. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't, reading is difficult right now. And, and I think it's just because like, I feel like I should be doing all of the things. And so I'm doing none of the things because it's, it's crippling Mm -hmm. all this time stuck at home. 
and like, oh, I should be cleaning out closets and I should be rearranging things. And I have herbs that I'm trying to grow and, and all this stuff. And I, and you made pretzels or bagels. I made pretzel bagels. Yes. They weren't the best. I was a little bummed. They were pretty, but they weren't the best. And Mm -hmm. I think it's probably because they are pretzels and bagels. And so that's a weird combination, but I made them. I burned the crap out of my finger. Well, I didn't know that you needed to be warned about hot things. I know. I don't know. I got... Okay, so when you're making bagels, you have to boil them for, like, three minutes, and then you put them in the oven. Well, you have to dump, like, a quarter cup of baking soda into boiling water, and that's what kind of makes the, the bagel on the outside kind of firm up a little bit but still be Mm -hmm. yummy in the middle well it foamed up and so when I was dropping the bagel in the in the water I didn't think to myself hey this is hot af don't touch the foam in my brain it was like oh it's like soap it's not hot (laughs) and I just put my hand right in the foam your brain is scary I know it's a scary place um, also, in an interesting twist that you probably wouldn't have seen coming, I worked at a bagel shop when I lived back home. I didn't know that. Yeah. Was it fun? I didn't make the bagels. I just, I actually had a side, you I had a little independent cart that I went into, because um, I, I don't know if I ever told you guys, but I'm from Oak Ridge, which is where all of the national plants are. Um where they like made the atomic bomb and stuff. All that radiation. Uh, yeah. So I went, I served bagels and coffee at one of the little sub, like side shops, like in the franchise, what I'm trying to get at. Gotcha. My, I need to make better mouth, but that, <laughs> you, know, you get what I'm saying. So I wasn't in the main store that much. Okay. But um, I do know how bagels are made because I worked there. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Well, so the foam is, that is the hot also bagel hot. In Oak Ridge, Tennessee, if anyone wants to try it out, they're still in business. The hot bagel. That's a cute name. Do you like bagels? I do like bagels. I never I I think they're fine. I I'm not a huge bagel connoisseur, but I, I was like an everything bagel mm. um with bacon. Or Einstein Brothers used to have this thing, and they don't have it anymore, but it was a um, chocolate chip bagel, and they would put Nutella and bananas on it. They don't have it anymore. You lost me at the bananas, but... That that is a fruit, my bad. I know. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. However, I I do like strawberries, and so my Einstein Brothers bagel is they have a French toast bagel, and I do a strawberry schmear on it and it is fantastic i like the french toast bagel with bacon see sweet and savory i can't it's It's yummy there's a hard line for me for sweet and savory no like (laughs) every see your husband whenever we go to get brunch he always does a chicken and waffle but he eats them separately instead of together he eats everything separately so it's true it's true but it always made me laugh because, like, I do love fried chicken and I love I love waffles, but I don't like them together. So it cracked me up that he would order it but then eat them separately, which is another 
I know that's random, but it always made me laugh really hard whenever he did that because, like, I understand. I like them both. I don't like them together. So, yes, that is the correct way to eat them. Yes. How did we get on bagels? Because you made them and you burnt your, your, you're talking about downtime and getting reading done, but you keep doing Oh, my God. That was quite the rabbit trail. It was. Lord. It was. I also wanted to mention one of the, you, you mentioned French toast. One of the best French toasts I've ever had is from this Cuban restaurant in Chattanooga. And they put vanilla ice cream on the top of it. It's that not- was, that was the greatest brunch of my life. It was that, so good. It was, it was fantastic. What is yeah. that place called? Embargo. Yes. Embargo in Chattanooga does. Embargo 62, I think actually is the full name. 67? 62, when, ten, when the United States embargoed Cuba. Of History fact! <laughs> of course you knew that. Whatever. <laughs> I love them because they have all of the rum there. They do. You can get flights of rum. They have a full rum bar. I did, a fl- I did a flight of rum there once, and there was a, a rum that it was still, it was still a white rum, but it was a chocolate. And whatever you drink it, like the hints of chocolate would come through in the aftertaste it was the weirdest thing ever but it was so good i was so happy that was anyway. quite a tangent we went on okay anyways dolphin book yes <laughs> um i didn't get to read this yet but it sounds super fascinating she uh susan goes of course out to the ocean to spend as much time with them as possible it sounds like a fantastic book she spent time with scientists that specifically study them for a long amount of time they follow a pod as they traverse the ocean and it just it sounds wonderful I love dolphins since all of this quarantine stuff is going on dolphins were spending time and off the coast of Italy where as they normally don't because the docks there are always like crazy busy and all of that and I watched those dolphin videos probably for half an hour last week just Chilling with dolphins. I have swam with dolphins before. Swam, swam. I have swam with dolphins. I have gone swimming with dolphins. I was like, I don't know either. You did go swimming with dolphins. And hold the fin, and you like ride them. It's fun. I would cry probably the whole time. The whole time. Awesome. It was real, real awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I would just ball. (laughs) I love you so much. Yeah, that was a really cool place that we went. Um, where we got to do that. I liked it. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about a few books that I tried to get into. It just wasn't good for me right now. Um, I want to read them and maybe I'll go back and read them at some point. But the first one is called, and this is just magical, but it's called Enslaved by Ducks. (laughs) This This is by Bob Tart. And basically what happened is he bought a home in rural Michigan and thought, oh, this is going to be my tranquil, paradise, ideal, peaceful place. And then he married his wife, Linda, and she started bringing home literally every animal possible. So they started with a bunny, which he's like, the bunny was, was you know, it was fine. But then, then we had like six of them all of a sudden, and then we have cats, and then it, it explodes. And then so then he's talking about how the ducks took over, and he now 
is not the alpha in command and is enslaved by ducks in this rescue sanctuary that his wife has built. So, I mean, it sounds really, really funny. And it really, sounds really like funny. a sanctuary to me. Yes. <laughs> well, he was thinking easy living, peaceful, but now he's got to keep up with all, all of these animals. Um, the first couple of pages, he's listing out the cast of characters and really, really funny. That's what, he, and he describes them. And that was funny. I just, it wasn't a good moment for me to get into that kind of book right now. I, I don't know why it just didn't click for me. Um, Sometimes but, they just don't. Like, it's yeah. weird. But it sounds hysterical, and I really want to get back into it. I, I just, I don't know. It just didn't work for me at the time. How and did then, you find this book? I've never heard of it. Uh, I was just researching. <laughs> I was doing research so for our were, episode. You were Googling. Sue, it's called research. <laughs> It's for science. <laughs> yes, I googled animal books that aren't sad. <laughs> Literally, that was the thing I books about animals that aren't sad. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I <clears throat> um, Another one I want to get to is The Elephant Whisperer, and that's by Lawrence Anthony. And he is, he owns a, and a, an elephant sanctuary in no, he owns a sanctuary, an animal sanctuary in South Africa. And he got the opportunity to rescue a group of elephants um, from poachers. But apparently elephants are notorious gay pod a herd. I was going to say pod. I knew that wasn't right. Pod is dolphins, herd is elephants. So he got the opportunity to rescue a herd of elephants. And he was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if we can do that. Elephants are escape artists, apparently. Um, That's funny. They're so giant. Like, how could you possibly, like, Mm -hmm. keep them somewhere? So I thought that sounded really good. Um, And then I also want to, this is a book you suggested to me. It's called Animal Vegetable Miracle. And that's by Barbara Kingsglover. And I didn't realize, but she she wrote the Poisonwood Bible. Um, She did. That is not a... That the Poisonwood Bible, I had a coworker choose that for a book club that I started at work, mm-hmm. and I was not a fan of that. It's not something that I have ever looked at and wanted to read, but I have heard of it, so I didn't mm-hmm. realize that she was the same author that wrote this until I was uh, research slash googling. <laughs> but it is about Barbara and her family. They moved from Arizona to rural Appalachia, where her husband has had this farm um, for like 20 years. They never sold it, or he just had this property. But they decided that they're going to subsist only on what they could either grow or that was raised locally. So I like they're, that. They're not full vegetarian, but they, you know, only locally raised animals or locally raised things, like only within like a 20 mile radius of where they are, I think. Wow. Is, is what they, and so she said, if we can't find it, grow it, we would do without it. And that's kind of, and so they embark on this project for a year. And I started it, it seemed slightly pretentious um, because like what teenager is just fine with giving up their complete lifestyle, moving across the country and then basically eating on only what you can grow. Like, you know, her kids are apparently perfectly fine with it. I, I don't know. Well, she probably didn't write about the screaming matches they had about it. Probably. Right. But, um, so I didn't get too, too far into it, but I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to pause you for a minute. I'm going to come back to you later. Cause I think now, 
I'm probably need some distance <laughs> and and I would feel better about it maybe when we weren't in an apocalypse or something. Are you socially distancing yourself from Barbara Kingsolver? Is it Kingsolver? I thought it was Kingsglover. I don't think there's a G in the middle of it. Yes. Let King's me see. Glover. Let me see. King's Glover is what I thought it was. Hold please. Holding. It's King Solver. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. K-I-N-G-S-O-L-V-E-R. Okay. Well, I had that way wrong, but cool, cool, cool. Well, when you first said Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsglover, I was like, well, I was like, but maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, it's King Solver. I stand corrected. I apologize, Barbara. You should be sorry. But I will... I do think that I like the concept of it and I would like to come back and visit it. It just, it's not something that I was, again, all three of these, I want to to read. They just weren't good for me right now. So quarantine update. What have you done? Anything different since we last met and spoke? No, not really. I mean, (laughs) we go for drives on occasion and take the dog and yeah. Cooking dinner more. um, Yeah. And I was going to make some peanut butter cookies today. That sounds yummy. Yeah, and I've got soup on the stove. That sounds yummy. I'd like to take the dog for a walk later. I'm sure she will love that. Yes. What about you? Uh, I um, started my little garden. I I just bought them today. So I've got... Parsley, cilantro, basil, chives, and then I'm going to try jalapenos and Roma tomatoes. Mm. So I, I want to have everything that we need to make salsa except for onions. I'm not ready for onions yet. Yes. And Chris told me that he was going to attempt to build me a waist-high little garden. So a raised garden that's on legs so I don't have to, like, crouch down, which is lovely. Um, and then we randomly bought like a, a tiny baby grill so that we can mm. grill, grill out a little bit. Which nice. be, we have grilled be, out sometimes. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really nice because I am the primary chef in the house and having to cook dinner every single day all the time is, exa- is exhausting. I'm already sick of it. And so with that, at least Chris will be like, oh, let me grill. So I'm like, <laughs> yes grill yes yes so um I think that's all though I have a list of a bunch of crap that I want to do um but I have uh done one thing this week off of it I was I was hope I was my big plan was I was gonna do one thing a day and that has not happened Mm -hmm. at all so we'll see if I if I make it through half the list it'll be it'll be great yeah how are you feeling Um, I'm doing better. Uh, Like I talked about last week, I was going to make people FaceTime me. I have FaceTimed with at minimum one person every single day this past week. That's awesome. And it's been great. And I've I've kind of really loved seeing how this has made people reach out more and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like I've, I've FaceTimed two of my aunts this past week. I did a group FaceTime with my baking buddies 
we get together once a month and bake something super technically difficult and we aren't able to do it now. And so we got together and talked about what we were oh, making and stuff like I that. I did FaceTime with um, my mom and my sister and my nephews. And that was I really love nice. it. See, yeah. I love seeing that even though this sucks, like it's forcing us to kind of go out of our way to mm-hmm. talk to people and stuff. And so I am really liking seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better uh, about that. Chris has been, unfortunately, Chris's gym closed and he is not happy about it. And yeah. that's going to make him a very grumpy bear for a while, but it is nice having him home a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it was a struggle at first. I'm finally getting used to it. Um, so I'm, I'm doing better. We'll see how my reading, if my reading can finally figure itself out now, the next few weeks. Oh, next week is my buddy read. Is next week buddy read already? I don't think it is. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Next week is what we've been reading. And then the following week, what? There were five months, five weeks in March. So we should have two themed episodes and then then a buddy read and then what we've been reading. I'm I'm so lost because I'm used to two themes, what we've been reading, mm-hmm. and I'm all yeah. sorts of confused. March got us all kinds of confused with quarantine, with too many weeks in it. It's just it's March is a it's a, it's a crazy month, guys. Well, stuporona made me all discombobulated. That's what I've been calling it, the Rona. I've seen um, that online. It's funny. Um, but I did already choose my buddy read. So if you guys like to read books and then listen to us talk about them, um, I chose The 13th Tale by Diane Setterfield. I have heard about this. I've owned it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I thought instead of doing, um, instead of doing like Jurassic Park, like we talked about something that might be a little bit stressful, I thought about reading something that might be a little more lighthearted, something that is more of an escapism and not something so like dreary. So yeah. I wanted to kind of just do something that would be a distraction and hopefully will be lovely. Yes, I'm excited. It's been on my shelf and on my list for quite some time now. Yes. About so we'll be knocking off a book on our to be read list that we own and so that's a plus yes yes so hopefully it's very good yeah absolutely i'm very excited me i mean i'm always excited you are always excited about books Mm -hmm. because because i'm not ever at all Uh no don't even like them you're a drag (laughs) yeah i have no enthusiasm for anything in my life it's funny all right guys will y'all be safe Yes, stay safe. Chat with us on the gram. Yeah. (laughs) I am not cool or trendy at all. Nana over here talking (laughs) about the gram. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, That was really mean. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, y'all have a wonderful week. Nana will be great as well. She'll yes. be on the gram to talk to you. I'll be on the gram to talk to you guys. <laughs> Apparently I meant gramophone. I don't know. <laughs>
wonderful week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>